Hello, Miss Kapow. Hello. It's the Monday show. It is. And it's December 31, 2018. It the is. The last day of the year. Woo. New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Man. It's crazy. 2019. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? What's going to happen? What's going on? I hate to be Mr. Downer, Mr. Debbie Downer, Mr. Negative, but I don't think it's going to get better. Mm-mm. I really don't. And because of that, really, because of the world we live in, folks, we need to really get on board with our spiritual warfare techniques. Do we not? Yep. It is so important if you know how the enemy works. It is so important to know his tactics of demons exactly, and Satan. And then you can recognize these tactics. You know how it works. And then what's really important is that you train in spiritual warfare. So not only to recognize the enemy and the tactics, but you know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know that you're not that you can't just go, Jesus, come and Jesus, come and tackle this guy. Jesus, come and took, you know, you are the soldier. Exactly. You're the one who's fighting. Yeah, Jesus is there, but guess what, Jesus? Jesus already did his work, folks. Mm -hmm. Jesus, he died and he shed his blood, and then he gave you the power. Come on, let's look at at Mark 16, okay? These signs shall follow them that believe. Wow, one of those things is casting out demons, and you've gotta be able to cast out your own demons. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you got to be able to cast out the demons of your husband and the demons of your wife too. Yep, amen. <laughs> when they have problems, when they have sickness, when you got this weird thing going on, you know, you better you got to have to recognize it. You you need to take authority because you can't just go oh, Jesus come and take care of it. Mm-hmm. You're you're a soldier and you got to be a good soldier. It's really important and that's what we're going to talk about today because we're going to look at history. We're going to be in Josephus again. This is going to be a little different. Instead of talking about what was going on, and there was a whole lot going on, we're going to talk about the Roman army, and we're going to talk about historically what the Roman army was, how Josephus wrote, and we're going to talk about, and you're going to see that these were the people, these were the men in the army that Paul was looking at, that Peter was looking at, that the disciples were looking at, the the, the New Testament scripture writers were looking at this army And comparing it to our own spiritual warfare and saying, we need to be like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to see it. So when Paul says, hey, put on the helmet of salvation, when Paul says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, he's seen the training and what this army is. If this Roman army existed today and had the technology that we have today, like uh, American technology with our jets and our bombs and you know our, our weapons of warfare this this you they would they couldn't be defeated ever because what they had and what every army and uh, the world lacks is this this strict strict discipline because they didn't rely on just the technology they relied on their training that's right yeah and they were unstoppable unstoppable only god could stop them So we're going to learn some lessons here on spiritual warfare. Very, very important. And I will tell you, this this ain't just a commercial or a commercial break, but I got to tell you, if you have not uh, received our book, Demons and My Marriage Bed, A True Story of Spiritual uh, Warfare, please go to Amazon and get it. Get the ebook or get the paperback book. It's our testimony of everything we went through. So it gives us the background of why we're talking about it. But then the second part of the book is the training manual. It talks about what you need to do to recognize the tactics and and to fight Satan. It's really important. It's all scripture. It's all Bible based. But it's it you're in a real real battle. Part of the problem is is when people don't realize that they're the soldiers that they're really in a real battle. I mean, just as real as somebody trying to break into your house and rape your your kids and your wife or your husband. It's just as real as that. When they don't realize that, you've already lost. You're already able to get attacked. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to come to your rescue, right? We'll try to help you. You can write to us and, you know, we'll try to help you and guide you through it. But you're going to have to buckle up and That's be a right. warrior. You're going to have to, 
get your hands dirty. It's a fight. It's a real, real war. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus and, and the disciples and the writers, the New Testament and God and the Old Testament emphasize do not be part of the satanic system. Don't be part of paganism. Don't be part of the pagan world. Don't be part of it because you're, you're a warrior, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're a warrior. What, what warrior goes a battle and takes his hand, you know, off, off the, the, the plow, so to speak, you know, it turns back. Um, that it shouldn't be. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to show you historically where they got this inspiration for in the new Testament, especially when you're talking about this spiritual battle. Okay. Okay. All right. So I am going to read Josephus, uh, a little bit, very briefly to lay out the Roman army. And then Ms. Kapow is going to jump in with the scriptures and then she's going to spike it over the net. Mm-hmm. Are you not Ms. Kapow? Mm-hmm. You better be because it's mm-hmm. new Year's Eve. Okay. I'm going to start with Nero. Nero was greatly concerned about the rebellion going on in Jerusalem. You know how we always hear about Nero and the persecution of the Christians and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. Nero was in Rome. The Jewish rebellion was happening in Judea and specifically Jerusalem and all the villages and cities around there. So he is really concerned about this rebellion. And then he blames Cestius. If you remember last week, we talked about Cestius and how the rebel Jews had routed Cestius in his army and, um, you know, was doing basically guerrilla warfare on him. So Nero had blamed Cestius for his own defeat. And now he believed that the best commander for the job of putting down the revolt was Vespasian. Vespasian. Vespasian is a bad dude, okay? He's a bad, bad dude. This is the one Nero's choosing. So now he's he's sending the big guys out there. He's no longer messing with the little governors and these little people. He's sending the big, he's sending the warships out there. Vespasian was a very experienced Roman general. And long ago, long ago, he had conquered the West for Rome. He defeated the Germans. He defeated the British. Yeah. And then he had sons, right? And some of his sons were already Nero's hostages. That's how, that's how it worked back then. So there was no doubt of the general's faithfulness. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what they did is like Nero, the emperor, they, he would take these guys' family, his sons, and they would live in Rome with them and stuff like that. But basically, if you betray me, um, I kill your kids. Yeah. So Vespasian was a bad dude. Vespasian ends up later on in history being the emperor of Rome, the emperor. So this guy is nothing to mess with. Uh, he started the siege on Jerusalem and then he got called back to Uh, Rome later on and he left his son Titus in charge and Titus was the one who actually breached Jerusalem and actually leveled it and conquered it Vespasian's son all right Mm -hmm. so here's the beginning of it so Vespasian at this time had sent his son Titus to Alexandria to bring back the fifth and tenth legions of the Roman uh, soldiers the army while he himself, Vespasian, traveled by land to Syria to form an army there, okay? So when we talk about the 5th and 10th legions, you're talking like the best Roman cohorts ever. These are the, these are the bad, 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 bad dudes, and we'll tell you why. So Josephus records facts about Vespasian's army. So he records that Titus returned from Alexandria with the 5th and 10th legions. Now, these were the most famous legions of all. (laughs) These guys are not, this this ain't something to mess with. And he joined them to his father's 15th legion in Ptolemaeus. So this is what it consists of. 18 cohorts followed these legions. There were also five cohorts from Caesarea with one troop of horsemen and five troops of Syrian horsemen. These 10 cohorts each had a thousand footmen. Wow. A thousand footmen times 10. 
The other 13 cohorts each had 600 footmen and 120 horsemen. A considerable number of auxiliaries came from Antiochus, Agrippa, Sochimus, each of whom contributed 1,000 archers and 1,000 horsemen. Malchus, the king of Arabia, sent 1,000 horsemen and 5,000 footmen, most of whom were archers. The entire army totaled 60,000. Besides a vast number of servants who had been trained for war and fought alongside the soldiers they served. This is what eventually put down the Jewish rebellion, breached the walls of Jerusalem, and leveled Jerusalem and the temple to a pancake in AD 70. This was God's judgment for their whoredoms. Okay, they had been warned, 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 and warned. No different than us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not, we're certainly not above ancient Israel at all. In fact, Paul says the opposite. If it happened to them, how much more? That's right. If we were grafted in, you know, how much more can we be plucked out? Basically, Paul said, don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant of these things. Anyone understanding the Roman army realizes its success resulted from its valor, not from luck. I think that's a very important statement to understand. It wasn't luck. And when you're dealing, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And when you're dealing with Satan and demons and sickness and financial disarray and chaos and whatever else in your life, taskmasters, if you don't know what taskmaster is, it's in our book. We talk about that's one of the tactics Satan uses to come against you using the taskmaster. When these things come against you, it's not luck that saves you. It's valor and it's valor in Jesus Christ. It's using the authority that Jesus Christ gave you. Mm -hmm. So Josephus understands that on the human level, the Roman army knows that success is from its valor, not from luck. They didn't leave anything to luck. The army was always prepared because of diligent daily exercises. You understand how this applies spiritually? Diligent daily exercises. Let me tell you something. You know, I, I still take drum lessons uh, online from various drummers and different different guys and things because always trying to stay sharp and good. And um, this one particular gentleman, actually, he plays he plays drums for that. The band sticks and um, he has different lessons and things like that. And one of the things I heard him say the other day was that he he held his sticks and he says, you have to do something every day, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, but something you do every day, you put these sticks in your hand and you you practice, you know, your paradiddles or you practice, you know, flams or you practice something every day. And he says, the days that you don't have these sticks in your hands, every day that they're not in your hands, the relationship grows farther and farther apart. And I thought to myself, holy cow, boy, isn't that like our Christianity? Mm-hmm. Every day that we don't we don't meditate on the words of God, okay? Every day that we don't think about our relationship in Christ or we don't think about what God has done for us or what God is doing or we don't think about um, how he saved us from the tactics of the enemy and the evil around us. Every day that we just float around through life like a juggernaut and we don't practice and exercise our, our spiritual gifts, we grow further and further apart from it. Our relationship to those things uh, get further and further apart. Mm-hmm. We don't want that to happen because when you need it, it won't be there for you. Yeah. Right? Amen? Amen. And even Hebrews says that strong meat belongs to them that are full of age. That means mature by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There it is right there. There it is right there. And, and um, <laughs> this is, is exactly what they're, they're seeing around them as they're writing this in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Have their senses exercised daily. So they prepared because of diligent daily exercises. As a result, the Roman army never tired in battle. It never fell into disorder. It never yielded to fear. Any army less prepared than the Romans was sure to be defeated. 
boy, that's a great statement because Satan's already defeated through Christ, but Christ has already done the work. Now he has delegated it out to you to heal the sick, cast out demons. If you pick up anything deadly, like, uh, you know, demonic curses and things like that, it's not going to harm you because you're in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And here's a good statement. It says, Josephus says, it was fair to say that the Roman army's exercises were unbloody battles and their battles were bloody exercises. Mm. So in other words, there's no difference between you preparing to fight Satan and when you're actually fighting him. Okay? It's, it should be one and the same. So sudden strikes and surprises rarely succeeded against the Romans since they carefully built walled camps as soon as they entered a new area. Mm. What does that mean? You, you, you put a wall around you. You allow Christ to put that hedge around you from evil. But as soon as you let evil into your house, as soon as you bring in the detestable thing into your house, you've now let the enemy in. You have to understand that. Yeah, it's a breach. It's a breach. And you curse yourself. It is a curse that was laid out back in Deuteronomy. Is it uh, 28, Ms. Capel? Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 28. There's a curse. And you bring this curse on yourself. I can tell you story after story about people we knew who are financially cursed. And we know it's witchcraft. You know they're cursed. But what we didn't know at the time is that they had cursed themselves through detestable, detestable things. Really? I'm, I'm really serious about this. So they, the Roman army builds, builds a wall around themselves. They protect themselves. It says, uh, if the camp's ground was uneven, they leveled it before a large number of carpenters erected its walls and buildings. Each camp was carefully measured and built perfectly square. The troops living within it, according to prearranged design, at no time was the entire army grouped together within its walls. Mm. See, they're so organized. They take this stuff very, very serious, and that's why they were the best in the world, and they took over the whole known habitable world at the time. In addition to the walls, a Roman camp was protected by evenly spaced towers. Between each were placed the machines for throwing stones, arrows, and darts. They were prepared. Each of the four walls contained a gate large enough for the camp's animals and for soldiers to make excursions outside the walls. If necessary, a trench six feet deep, six feet wide, dug around the outside. The point is, is they fortified themselves. Inside the walls, the camp tents were arranged in the streets with the general's tent in the middle. The overall impression was that of a town with a central marketplace, a place for tradesmen and an area where officers could meet. They were organized. Mm Mm-hmm. And so once secure within the camp, the army lived together by companies, each company having its wood, wheat, and water brought to it when needed and eating as a unit. You see the unity there? Well, today, you know, you just, you go to YouTube or Facebook and there's all these, these trolls out there, you know, Christian trolls even fighting each other, constantly fighting each other. There's no unity. Mm -hmm. And even God, the Lord Jesus prayed that we would be one. And in, in union with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Yes, because you got to fight the enemy, you know, instead of fighting each other. You, you're never going to survive. And that's yeah. why they don't survive. A house divided falls. Exactly. The whole camp was organized by a system of signals designating times for sleeping, guarding, and rising. In the morning, the soldiers reported to their centurions. The centurions reported to their tribunes. The tribunes and their officers to the general who signed passwords and daily orders. You see... The hierarchy, and they were very, very organized. When camp was to be broken, a trumpet signal uh, notified the soldiers to pack their tents. This was followed by a second signal to load the pack animals, fire the camp, so they set fire to everything, stand ready to march. <clears throat> a third signal hurried along anyone who might have been a little slow. Mm-hmm. So guess what? So no one was out of rank when the army marched. They didn't want to leave anybody behind. You're either fighting for God or you're not. You're either a soldier or you're a victim. There's no gray area. I can't fight for you. I can do the best I can, but I can't. I can't fight for you. If you bring evil into your house and your life, I can't fight those curses off. I've tried doing that for people and I got beat up myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think in the Old Testament, they, they realized that the Hebrews, you know, because before um, it was the Syrians, I believe, that... Uh, you know, took the, the, the weak and the children and the yes. elderly because they were at the end of the line 
And then when um, Jacob, I believe it was Jacob, moved his family, he put the ki- the children and the wife wives before him, and yeah. the rest were behind them. And you're right. And in um, the Old Testament, the um, Amalekites had attacked attacked the children of Israel with the Moses. Amalekites, yeah, I, yeah, and they yeah. attacked all the stragglers, the weak, the elderly, the people that were behind, um, that weren't part of the the, the group. It's it's a really good spiritual lesson because it's exactly what happens today, you know. Um, <clears throat> so there's a crier that stands at the general's right hand, and he asks the troops three times in their native language if they were ready to go to war. And then the troops loudly and enthusiastically replied, "We are ready." Each time, "We are ready." And when they do this, they lift their right hand as they do so. I just want to make a side note. What does that sound like? The Nazis. Nazi Germany. Hail Hitler! Hail Hitler! And they raise their right hand. It comes. It's the same spirit. <clears throat> Came from mm-hmm. the Roman army. Same spirit. On leaving camp, the army marched silently in ranks, as if going to war. See, they were always ready. They didn't. They didn't necessarily were going to war, but they always were as if they were. Each footman was armed with a breastplate. And helmet and carry two swords. Ms. Capal's going to talk about this. One by each side. The sword on the right was no longer than nine inches, while the one on the left was much longer. The footmen guarding the general also carried a lance and a buckler. In addition to their swords, the rest of the footmen each carried a spear, a long buckler, a saw, a basket, a pickaxe, an axe, a leather thong, a hook, and food for three days. Dude, they were prepared for battle. Mm-hmm. Each horseman carried a long sword on his right and a long pole on his hands. A shield lay along his horse and three or more broad pointed spear length starts in a quiver. He also wore a helmet and a breastplate. The troops leading the march were chosen randomly by lot. And you can see that there are different, it's like spiritually there's different gifts. People have different gifts. So people have the gift of teaching. Some people have the gift of discernment. Some people have the gift of prophecy. Some people have the gift of, you know, healing. There's different gifts, right? There's dreamers. There's interpreters of dreams. Mm -hmm. See, but you're all in the same war. You're all in the same battle. And all those talents, here there's archers, there's footmen, there's soldiers. They have different weapons. and, And they have a different configuration of things because they're all fighting their specialty, but they all work together to fight that common enemy. That's what we need to do. And we need to do it because it's going to be 2019 and it's going to be even darker than 2018. If you can believe that mm, hard to believe it's going to be nasty. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Roman training. The Roman army's fighting was just as organized as it's camping and marching. That was just as camping and marching. So you can imagine what the fighting was. Everything was planned in advance through consultation. As a result, mistakes were seldom made. It could easily be corrected. This is important. The Romans considered errors made after planning more valuable than unplanned successes. Mm, yeah, because they have an understanding. Yes. They have knowledge now. Yes. That's exactly so they, what God teaches us. We have to have the knowledge of God. Yes. So if you just get lucky and go, well, successful in that, and you don't learn anything. But if you get your butt kicked and there's some errors in there, and you go back and go, what, what, what happened? That's more valuable. Mm-hmm. Because that's how God grows you, right? Right. With those little testings and trials, yeah. So uh, the Romans considered errors more made after planning more valuable than unplanned successes, which could lead to thoughtlessness in the future. Mm. If they failed, they at least knew they had done their best to avoid it. Training exercises were designed to strengthen both the bodies and souls of the soldiers. It's spiritual warfare. We're looking to strengthen our souls and our spirits, right? Mm-hmm. Fear was an important factor in their strength because capital punishment was a penalty not only for running away, but also for the slightest degree of slothfulness and inactivity, mm-hmm. right? Well, Christ doesn't whack our heads if we don't do that, but we get the repercussions of the curses, right? That's right. We are in the army out of love because Christ has done so much for us and he is commanded us to do the same 
That's what we do. We're just sojourners down here. We're in a war. Any cruelty arising from the strictness was offset by the rewards bestowed on valiant soldiers. Right? Do we have rewards at the end? Paul talks about it all the time. Mm -hmm. As a result of the strict obedience, once in battle, the whole army, the whole army functioned as a single unit. What they did was done quickly, and what they suffered was born with the greatest patience. With such well-organized discipline, highly trained army, it is no surprise the Roman Empire governed all the inhabitable world of its time. And let me end with Vespasian's march, and then Ms. Kapow is going to go into the spiritual warfare aspect of this with Scripture. Vespasian had marched out of Ptolemaeus to attack Galilee. First in the line of march were the slightly armed auxiliaries and the archers who served as scouts. Second were the heavily armed Roman footmen and horsemen. Third were 10 men out of every 100 carrying their arms and their materials needed for setting up camps. These were followed by men whose job was to cut down any woods or smooth any roads, hindering the Roman formation in its orderly advance. They all work together, folks. That's as important to understand. See how they smooth the road out for them? After these came the commanders, the carriages and guards. Vespasian followed with his guards and his legions, cavalry of 120 men. <clears throat> Behind him came the mules carrying the siege machines. The commanders of the cohorts, the tribunes were next in line with their guards, followed by the Roman flags, the eagle, which goes at the head of a legion and trumpeters. Why is that important? Roman flags, the eagle, which goes ahead of the legion. It's war. It's military. What did Christ say when the disciples asked him, but where will these people go? Two men grinding, two men doing this, one in the field, one, where, one's taken, one's left. Where do they go? And he says, where the eagle is, there's the carcass gathered. Mm. It's war. We have an American eagle. Germany has an eagle. There's a Russian eagle. The eagle's war. Yeah. And when you see these abominations standing where they not ought to be, get out. That's what Jesus told his disciples in this day. The main body of the army came next, marching six deep and observed by one centurion marching at its end. Each legion's servants and baggage followed the army. Behind all the legions came the mercenaries, followed by a rear guard of armed footmen and numerous horsemen. Reaching Galilee, Vespasian pitched, camped, and waited. He to give the rebels time to observe his strength and surrender. Those of Josephus' camp in the city of Garrus fled before the Roman army even came to sight. Josephus took those who stayed with him and fled to Tiberius. And that's the reaction we want from demons. You want that demon to say, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, and uh, yeah, you, I know too. <laughs> yeah. that's, you want that demon to know you and see your strength in Christ and not, uh, and not bother with you. Mm-hmm. Right? How many of you remember the story contained in the book of Acts, chapter 19, where there were seven sons of Sceva, and they were trying to cast out a demon because they saw the apostle Paul doing great miracles through God. So they tried to do the same thing. So they go to this guy who's demon-possessed, and they say, we adjure you by this Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Yeah, and guess what the evil spirit did? The evil spirit answered them and said to them, hey, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And guess what? The man that had the demons jumped on him, beat the heck out of him, subdued him, overpowered him, and they literally fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow, guess why? Guess why? Because they did not go to Amazon.com and buy demons in my marriage bed a true story of spiritual warfare the book is not about you being married or single the book is about dealing with demonic forces and you need to know how to do that today more than you ever have for your own life and for those around you the book is a training manual and there's training in there that will teach you how not to be the sons of Sceva and get beat up by demons. It will give you the tools for you to be recognized by them because they'll know 
that you're exercising the authority that is given to you through Christ. You need to get this book. Yep. Okay, Ms. Capel. Okay. Well, <clears throat> we're going to begin with this the familiar scripture of the armor of God, which is found in Ephesians 6, 11. And it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So you do everything that you possibly can in the spirit, and then you stand, you stand on the truth of God's word, and um, and you submit yourself to God and resist the devil and be there strengthened, right? Now, I have um, two other scriptures in Peter that, I wanna, that I'll use to support this. Amen. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, that means don't go backwards. Yeah. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or behavior. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then you go down to verses 22 that says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, that means sincere love of the brethren, See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, which is by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. And the grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Same thing as uh, Paul's uh, sword of the spirit, is it not? It is. Amen. Mm-hmm. So um, in our previous teachings, we, we've gone over the enemies of our soul, but I'll go through them again. The enemies of our soul, I have three that we, we taught in our books, but mm-hmm. as I was continuing um, to study, I realized that there's actually four, and I'll go through them. Satan, which includes death, and then the world the flesh, and death. So Satan, he's the de- deceiver, and he's a liar, as mm-hmm. in John 8, where he, uh, the Lord says that, the, that the, um, the devil, he is a murderer from the beginning, and he does not abide in truth at all because no truth is in him. So he is a lie. He is a liar, and he's the father of it. And in Hebrews, it says that, that death that through death he might destroy him, that means Jesus, destroy him that had the power of death, and that is the devil. So the devil has power or the authority of death. And the second enemy is the world. And in First John it teaches us not to have the lust of the eyes or of the flesh or the pride of life, which goes back to the garden with Eve when she was um, being deceived by the enemy. He he addressed the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The third thing is the flesh. And Jesus gave a, a teaching on that, that it's the lusts of the inner man that actually defiles man. In Mark 7, um, the Lord said it's not what comes um, out of the man that defiles him, but the stuff that's within the heart, your evil thoughts, the adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, wickedness, foolishness, pride, all those things mm-hmm. that are in you, in your nature, that's what defiles you. And that's why we have to have the new nature that comes through Christ Jesus. When we become reborn or out of heaven, we become new creatures. That's why, because our old nature is already defiled by these, this flesh. Mm-hmm. And our last enemy is death, because in 1 Corinthians, it says that death is the last enemy that is to be destroyed. 
And that's at the end when he goes into a lake of fire. Very good. Okay, so our weapons of warfare, the very first one, it says, standing therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The scripture that I want to use to support that is Jeremiah 1, 17, where it says, Thou therefore, and this is the Spirit talking to Jeremiah, gird up your loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee, and be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Mm. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And that reminds me of um, when Christ was telling Peter, upon this rock, I shall build my my church, my gathering, my people, mm-hmm. my ethnos, because now we become one race, that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is the, the scripture that when I was reading it kind of reminded me of that. So it says, um, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So it's the truth that mm. actually um, fights or protects you from the enemy. Mm-hmm. Psalm 31.5 says, into thine hand I commit my spirit, and this is what the Lord was saying on the cross. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord of tr- Lord God of truth. So God is truth, and you know when we talk about good and evil, that's really one one um, aspect. That's like one thing. Good and evil is one unit, mm-hmm. and that's why God is only good because He only has good. God has no darkness. He has no evil. He, is, he, he has nothing of the enemy. There's no lie in God. God cannot lie. So God is the only one that is good. Yeah. Everything else has good and evil. Yeah. But God alone is good. Which is Satan's false system. Exactly. Um, John 4, 23 says, But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you can only do that when your spirit has been reborn. Because be, without God's spirit, without the new creature, you are dead in your spirit. Because you are uh, disconnected from the actual um, source of life, which is God. John fourteen seven says, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it's not it sees him not, nor neither knows him, but he ye know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. John fifteen twenty six says, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he shall testify me of me. John sixteen thirteen says, Howbeit, when ye the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the spirit of truth is just plain truth. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. See, that's why it's important to walk in the spirit Boy. and not after the flesh. Yeah, right? truth, 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 truth. That mm-hmm. belt of truth where everything else hangs from exactly second thessalonians two thirteen, but we are bound to give thanks always to god for you brethren beloved of the lord because god hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, truth. remember jesus is truth first yeah. john 4 6 we are of god that he that knows god hears us and he that is not of god hears us not Hereby know we the true spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God is truth, and that's the spirit of truth, and anything other than that is the spirit of error. First mm. John 5, 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that bears witness, because the Spirit 
is truth. Okay, and the second weapon is having on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 11.5 says, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Isaiah 59.17, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. And so Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We're putting on the Lord's righteousness when we put on the new man. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, and that brings good tidings of good that publishes salvation. Amen. It's, it's beautiful how that the Old Testament and the New Testament is one. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And that whole wavering thing is being double-minded. Mm-hmm. And remember the word of God says that those that are double-minded are unstable because you're not sure where you go here, you go there. Yeah. You're unsure, but God wants you to be fixed on truth. And yep. so um, when we take up that shield of faith, the, the truth, the word, it should be where you're unshaken by what comes to you because the righteous shall live by faith and it's not by sight. It's what we believe the truth to be. Amen. It's like uh, our friend uh, Matthew Jacks uh, says, God said it, that settles it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regardless exactly. of whether you believe it or not, God said it, that settles it. I exactly. That. Well, that was, you know, um, when my, when my testimonies was when I was hearing voices when I was like what, in my early, when I was 19, 20, something like that. And I believe that the Lord had healed me because the word said thou are, that you are healed. Mm-hmm. And I believed that, but I was still hearing voices. So I asked the Lord about it. And he says, who are you going to believe, me or the voices in your head? Mm. Well, I chose to believe God. And it wasn't like right after that I got the voices went away. It was, it was um, after time. Yeah. But I had to stand upon that word, the shield of faith, where it says God healed me by his stripes I am healed. And that was when I was that's when you like humble yourself before God because you're humbled and you say I'm going to believe what no matter what. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're resisting the devil. You're resisting those lies and you're walking forth in truth. And as you do that, the devil does go away. Those lies did go away. And it was months after that, that all of a sudden I realized I'm not hearing those voices anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what that is all about. Uh, Hebrews twelve two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that has was set before him, see, mm-hmm. he did the same thing. And that's why he endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then he is our example. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Wow. Number five, the hel- take the helmet of salvation. And Isaiah 59, 17, which also talks about the righteousness as a breastplate, also says, as a helmet of salvation upon his head. So that helmet of salvation is placed upon your head. It's that knowledge the, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Number six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Isaiah 49, two says, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Hosea um, six, five says, therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Wow. And even Jesus says, I'm not going to, you know, basically judge you but mm-hmm. it's the word that, that moses spoke yeah that's actually going to judge you yeah 
and even your very own mouth. When you say, I don't believe in Christ, you're judging yourself by the, that word. Yep. Number seven, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Isaiah 59, 21 says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, that my spirit that is upon thee and my words, which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Number eight, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Isaiah 49, 2 says, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. And I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Wow. See, and you, can, you can see the New Testament with Christ in all of this. Oh gosh, absolutely. Number nine is as for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. First Corinthians fifteen five eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be he steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm. And those are the scriptures I have. Those are beautiful. Wow, what a tie-in. I love that. Thank you very much. I like the breakdown of the, the main Ephesians. As a matter of fact, why don't you read that Ephesians one again in its entirety so that way what you just said could be settled in. Or I can do it. Oh, I can do it. I okay. Get it out here. Hold on. Because that was really good how it just breaks down. And you use the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament scriptures. Okay, so Ephesians um, 6, 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I like this because it says it, you, will be, you will be able mm. to quench all, all the fiery darts of the wicked yeah. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is the whole unity of the body of Christ. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Love it. There you go. I mean, you 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 listen to this, and over and over again, again, it's you put on the armor, mm-hmm. you put on the breastplate, you take up the sword, you 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 do it. You can't just sit there and go, Christ, bring your faith to me. Christ, bring your righteousness to me. Christ, bring. He's already done it. Now it. He's given it to you. He's given you the authority, his dunamis. Mm-hmm. He's given you the authority. That's why Satan hates you and he wants to destroy you and your marriage and your family. Yes, he wants to destroy you because he doesn't want warriors. Now, if you look at the Roman army and how disciplined they were and no one could defeat them because they trained daily and they were prepared and organized and they took this stuff serious. If you look at them being pagan humans, how much more the gift of Christ to us? Mm-hmm. How much more are we endowed with the dunamis and the power? Wow. Mm-hmm. And we don't even have to, you know, break sweat. Huh? Just spiritually. Well, praise the Lord. That was good, Ms. Capel. Praise the Lord. That's all I have to say, and I think um, I think that's a lot of food for thought. Mm-hmm. All right? All right. Okay, so give them a challenge. Ciao, baby. Going to church with your hair piled high. Bible in the car with your nose in the sky. Looking at the preacher.
Yeah. 